Amen. Can you truly say that this morning, that he has made you glad? Amen. We welcome you, as Stacy said, to Lakeside Church in Yakinville. Each and every single one of you that are watching with us right now by the way of internet. Uh, we are just so thankful. And again, we've said it many times before, and we'll keep saying it. So thankful that you have uh, chosen to join in with us live uh, via Facebook and to join in with us in uh, worship and also for the word amen again i know that we know how important that the word is and if there's ever been a time in our history and within our lives that we need to stand upon the word it is right now amen we have to hear the word and we have to live on the word amen the bible says the just shall live by faith because i can tell you that right now what's going on don't necessarily feel good but we live not by feelings, but we live by faith. And we believe that on the onset of all of this, on the back corner of all of this, is going to be birthed a great revival. Not only here, but for all of those that are truly hungry and seeking after him. Not only across this area, not only across this state and this country, but across the entirety of the world. Because the Bible says it, that he is uh, saving the best for last. Amen. And we believe that. We've said that for a long time. And we don't just say that as a trendy motto but we say that because we truly stand on that word and we truly believe it with all that's within us that the best is yet to come so perk up and be happy to know that the best is yet to come and the greatest of all is the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen so again we thank you for being here with us tonight uh, I mean, this morning actually but again tonight go ahead and make plans on being with us tonight at 6 p.m. as we will be ministering and having another service again as well as it's coming up Wednesday um, I'm sure all of you have been watching the news and uh, there's some good things that are taking place and I'm encouraged to hear uh, what is taking place and we're just believing and, and praying that in the Lord's timing and when it's perfect that we will be able to open the doors back up to here and not only here but all the way around and we're just believing and praying that it is going to be sooner than later because we miss you guys we love you guys you don't know how uh uh, we much we pray for you those of you that we have met and even those of you that who we haven't met y'all have been an encouragement to us and we just pray for you guys each and every single day and we cannot wait until we get to be back in here together as the family of god worshiping the one and only true savior so i hope that you've come this morning with your heart prepared to receive because i promise you if you'll have your heart prepared to receive from the lord you will receive from him god is desiring to pour out into your heart and into your life today but it is up to you to make the choice to make the decision to say god come and have your way all you simply have to do is surrender your heart avail to him and i promise you he will work right exactly where you're at not within these four walls do you have to be but anywhere you can be god can move in your heart and in your life that's why the testimonies have been coming in of those that god has been moving in right in their home and not only at 10 30 in the morning when we're live but going back and watching the services at 11 o'clock at night because god knows what we need when we need it. Amen. And so we are again thankful. So prepare your hearts even now as we go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful. <clears throat> Lord, so honored, Lord, to be here today, to gather in your name, Lord, to do what we are doing, God. Lord, to be able to play some small role, Lord, in your kingdom. Lord, we are beyond privilege, Lord. And God, we know that it is only because of your grace, Lord. We thank you right now for every person that is watching, Lord, live. For all of those that will watch, Lord, we thank you for them, Lord. And God, we pray that not only would you move in this house Lord but God that you would move in their hearts and in their lives today Lord begin to prepare us leaving now Lord for the praise and worship Lord and also the receiving of your word and God we are believing Lord that good testimonies are going to come in Lord we believe God I truly believe with all that is within me today God that you desire to move in your people's lives so God I pray let us be available let us surrender it all over to you Lord so that you can do what only you can do Father and we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus name amen and amen as they play softly I believe the Lord gave me this passage of scripture not only for myself but also for all of us that are here as well as for those of you that are watching by the way of internet life's tough and we're going through a tough time right now as corporately as a church as a body of Christ but also in our individual lives it seems like the storms are there they're raging 
the winds are contrary to us. And Stacy had no idea of what I was preaching on this morning, but this song, along with the other songs and lyrics within it, all go hand in hand with what it is that I'm ministering on. But I want to remind you of something today. As they were singing in that bridge, it said, no enemy can separate. No power of darkness can separate. My failure can't separate from the God who stays. What's the next slide, Vanessa? No power of hell can take away your love for me will never change I'm yours forever some of you need to remind yourself today that you belong to the Lord amen there's nothing that can separate you Romans chapter 8 verse 34 says who is he who condemns it is Christ who died yes rather who is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's praying for you right now, child of God. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors. Let me tell you today, you're not just a conqueror. In Christ Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says through him who beloved us, for I am persuaded. I said I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, even in the future of the things that I cannot see, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of you today need to be reminded of that. You feel like he is gone. You feel like you're all alone. But let me tell you today, he said I am the God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage today. He's right there with you and right where you are as they sing this again, you need to lift up your hands unto the God of all gods unto the king of all kings and you need to begin to worship him and let his presence flood your soul one more time and tell yourself and remind yourself he's the God who stays hallelujah thank you Jesus oh just lift up your hands right now Lord we honor you Lord Jesus you're the God who stays Lord Lord, we're never alone, Lord, as long as we are in you, Lord. You promised, Lord, that you would never leave us, Lord, that you would never forsake us. Lord, when the whole world walks away from us, God, you are a God who stays, Lord. Lord, there's nothing that we face that, God, your eye is not upon us and watching us and seeing us through, Lord. God, how can we not praise you today despite the obstacles, despite what it is that we're facing in the world today, God? We can take comfort in knowing that you're the God who stays. Our families may leave us, man may leave us, but God, you will never, 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 never leave us nor forsake us. And God, I thank you for that today, Lord. I thank you that when I'm riding down the road in my car all alone and it seems like the weight of the world is upon me, God. You are right there saying, Wayne, come unto me, Lord. You're saying, Wayne, come unto me. You're saying, Wayne, come unto me, Lord. And God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that any time of every day, Lord, we can come unto you, Lord, and we can receive the grace that it is that we need, oh God. And if there's ever been a time in our lives, Lord, that we need your grace, Lord, it is right now, God. Lord, let your grace shine down upon your people, God. Let your grace shine down upon your church Lord let your grace shine down upon this country God Lord let it be father in the name of Jesus God and Lord we say praise you Lord we say praise you Lord you are so worthy God you are so worthy Lord Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're worthy, Lord God. Lord, I praise you today, Lord God. Lord, how can I not sing of your praises, Lord? God, you've been there with me every step of the way, God. You've seen me through the darkest of hours, Lord God. You've been there for me, Lord, when nobody else was, Lord. And I praise you, Father, Lord. 
that nothing can separate me today from your love, God. Nothing can separate me from your love, God. And Lord, as long as I have you, Lord, you're all that I need, God. As long as we have you, Lord, you are all that we need, God. Lord, I thank you today, God, for your spirit that is in this house. Lord, I thank you for your presence, Lord, that is here, God. And we know, God, that you're right there with your people, God, that are tuning in live with us, Lord. So, God, I pray, Lord, pour it out upon them, Lord. Pour it out upon them, Father, in a way like they've never experienced before, Lord God. Flood their soul, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we praise you today, Father. We praise you today in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor, Lord. And we thank you again, Lord, that you always stay. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you watching by the way of internet, but Lord, the Bible says that refreshing comes from the presence of Almighty God is here today and I know that he is right there where you are too. There's no doubt about it in my mind and I'm so thankful that in just a few seconds in his presence, a few seconds in his presence, that's all that we need. It may I wouldn't want to do this life without the help of the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't want to without him. I wouldn't want to do it. And in fact, if anything I could do, uh, if it's coming to the Lord a lot sooner than what I did. I was outside early this morning before the sun come up service. All I could do was begin to sing that old sing. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. I sing praises to your name, O Lord. And praise just began to bubble up with inside because let me tell you, <clears throat> no matter what it is that we're going through, if he has saved your soul, he's worthy of all praise. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with us, or if you have your Bibles with you, turn with us in the book of the Gospel of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 14. I'm turning this heat off if you're wondering where I went. It gets a little hot up here when you begin to preach. So, <laughs> But anyway, Matthew chapter 14, reading verse 2 through 33. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. And if you mark into your Bibles like I do, I want you to underline those four words. Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they who were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son in the life of a believer, we are going to endure times of testing. We're going to endure times of temptation. We're going to endure times of trial. And it should go without the fact of even saying not if they come, but rather when they come. And in fact, the church as a whole is in the time of testing right now. Not just as individuals do we go through this times of times of trial, but as a whole, the church as a whole, the body of Christ in the midst of one right now. And I can tell you these are times that are not pleasant. Rather times that we find ourselves, if we're being honest, dreading and trying to stray from. 
Most of us don't sit around and wait in anticipation for times and seasons of trials, especially with joy. The desire of every born-again believer is and should be to draw closer to Jesus. But many times, oftentimes, the only way that this occurs is for us to endure trials, for us to endure the storms of life. It doesn't seem like it would be. But it's in those moments, in the times of testings, in the times of trials, in the times of storms, that we find ourselves drawn closer to him than we were ever before because see we like to think that on top of the mountain we can draw closer to him and just keep drawing closer to him but God knows our nature and he knows without the times of the valley without the times and seasons of storms and trials that faith would not be anchored solely where it ought to be and we would begin to glory within ourselves we would begin to look to ourselves now I know that many will say there's no way that I would do I'm the first one to say that I would do it. And it's in those moments of times and testings of just even the song that we see saying that we realize he's a God who stays. The faithfulness of our Lord and our Savior. Amen. So we all know that Jesus is the one in this Christian life who's leading us and who is guiding us. So if that be so, then we wonder, Lord, why am I in the middle of this storm? If you're leading me and guiding me. Why am I having to go through what it is that I'm having to go through? Why am I? And I want to preach to you a message this morning on the topic, why am I here? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the strong and mighty name of your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house, Lord. And we thank you that by faith we know that those that are watching by the way of internet, Lord, are feeling your presence even now, Lord. Oh God, there's nothing like the moving and the operating power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that today, Lord, that you have laid upon our hearts, Lord, that God, you would give us, Lord, the anointing that we need to be able to deliver it unto your people. Lord, we're nothing you Lord in desperation to anoint my lips Lord as I yield control Lord of my words of my heart of my faculties over to you Lord and that you would have your way Lord that I would get out of the way Lord and that God you would take center platform Lord and that God I wouldn't be seen Lord but that Lord, you would be seen that God not only would you me, Lord, but that you would anoint the people that are here in the sanctuary, the, those that are watching my internet. God, you would anoint them, Lord, and God help them, Lord, for this moment to not be distracted, Lord, or hindered in any way, Lord, from what it is that you are desiring from them to hear right now, Lord, and that God, as your word goes forth, Lord, we believe and trust that, Lord, it's going to fall on good ground, Lord, and that, Lord, it's going to bring forth good fruit, God, and that, Lord, the child of God would be encouraged and lifted up. And Lord, we'll forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We find here in this portion that Jesus had, excuse me, just performed one of the greatest miracles to date when he fed, the Bible says 5,000, but be 15,000 people if you count the women and children with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And the Bible says they all <clears throat> let me tell you they all ate and all were filled and that even they had to take up the fragments the leftovers if you will that weren't eaten. Let me tell you don't we all know that Jesus Christ doesn't do anything halfway. He's more than you will ever need because he's to still do exceedingly and abundantly <clears throat> ask or that we could even begin to think of him. And it is time that we got to get God out of our box, out of the box that we've got him placed in and simply say, Lord, have your way. <clears throat> I believe that the church for far too long has said, God, you can work in this manner and put him within these four walls, within this box and say, you work now in this manner. And God say, no, let me out of the box because I want to do a far greater work than you could ever imagine. <clears throat> Excuse me, my, this is like the enemy. That's my sidekick, Ricky, bringing me water. <laughs> <clears throat> so the Bible says, Immediately, Jesus constrained them, meaning that he compelled them 
to get into a ship and to go here is Jesus who has just performed a great miracle here, the feeding of 5,000, and in fact had been performing great miracles. And then all of a sudden, he looks at the disciples as they are in awe and as they are in wonder of him, seeing him display his great power, seeing him do all of these miracles. And all of a sudden, he looks at them and says, okay, you got to go now. I can only imagine that as the disciples were there that day and he looked at them and said, okay, you've got to go. He didn't just suggest it. He commanded it to them. He compelled them to get in the ship and to go, I need to be alone. And I can imagine if it would have been me, I would have been almost downhearted because, Lord, I'm seeing you do all of these great things. Lord, I'm in the midst of your presence. I want to be right here. I don't want to leave you. And so he basically says, go, I need you to get in the boat, go back to the other side, as he also, at the same time, sent the multitude away. But he offered no explanation, hear me today, he offered no explanation to them as to why he wanted them to go out here on the Sea of Galilee. See, Jesus deals with us on a need-to-know basis when we need to know it. And we don't always understand and know why it is that we're going through the things that we're going through. Or even before we know that we're going to go through, the Lord directs our footsteps. But that's where faith comes into play and that we, we trust him, that he knows what he's doing. But I will tell you that while he commanded the multitude to return home, these people, and imagine the thousands and thousands of people that were following him, they went away a lot differently than when they came to him. You see, many of them came sick. They came downhearted. They came oppressed and even demon-possessed. But now they were leaving healed. Now they were full of joy. They were leaving free from the powers of darkness. So what joy must have filled their hearts and the stories that they were telling that night to their families of how the healing hand of Jesus Christ had touched them. Can you imagine they went back to their homes and as they're sitting around the table beginning to eat supper, but I can imagine that they would probably even eat it. They were so full of what Jesus had just gave them. And there they were, were, were talking about this man who had just performed this great miracle, who was speaking like no other man. Let me tell you, we need to be as the multitudes were that day and then. And even though he's not right here with us in the present that we can physically see him, we should be as these multitudes are going about and speaking of him and speaking of all the wonderful things that he were doing. See, a lot of times we find ourselves guilty of only talking about the negative. We find ourselves talking about the bad things that we're going through and shame on us as a church because despite what it is that we're going through, God's goodness and grace is far better and far greater to us than anything that we could ever go through. But we ourselves want to focus upon the things that we're going through, the storms, the trials of life. And yes, we give attention to it. We recognize that, Lord, I understand what it is. Here it is. But we shouldn't fail to look to him to see us through. So when you're in the presence of Jesus, as these multitudes were, you leave differently. You see, they came expecting. And not one person that comes expecting to receive from the Lord, he doesn't disappoint. He never disappoints the heart that comes to him expecting to receive. So the Bible says that the reason for his sending the disciples and multitude away was so that he could enter into a time of prayer. And I just want to say a few things about this before moving on to the message. But prayer is the most powerful force in which a believer can be engaged. Let me say that again. Prayer is the most powerful the most powerful force in which a believer can be engaged. But yet this is a weapon that you and I have as believers that is regrettably not taken advantage of by most Christians. I think I read a statistic the other day, and this is those that are self-professing Christians, that only 38% of self-professing Christians, 38% says that they spend time with the Lord in prayer each and every single day. The statistics, the numbers were a lot higher of those who said, well, you're going through something rough, do you pray? And of course, the numbers went higher, the percentage went higher to 60s and the 70s and the 80% because we, if we're not careful, will find ourselves running to the Lord in time of need, running to the Lord when there's a storm going on, but we should be running to the Lord each and every single day despite what is going on. I mean, prayer is so powerful. We don't realize that we've got the ear of the Father 
And the moment that you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you've come to him the way that only man can come to him. And you've got the ear of the creator of everything that it is around you. So why in the world would I not take time to talk and to commune with the one that is able to meet each and every single one of my needs and most importantly, the one who saved my soul? He's worthy of me spending time with him in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. You see, Jesus set the pattern before us as he lived his life in a state of constant prayer and seeking the face of the Father. And if Jesus Christ, the perfect man that he is, that he was, spent time with the, in prayer, seeking the face of the Lord for everything that he was doing, how much more as us, as a sin-laden, more pitiful human beings, need to be in that same mode that Jesus Christ was in, in a constant state of prayer, in a constant state of seeking the Lord. Paul laid it out here, pray without ceasing, man, pray, don't stop. And he was that man to just walk around 24 hours and praying from your lips, but in your heart, an attitude of prayer, looking to the Lord. And these prayers that will go before the Lord, I love my time that I spend with Him, and I get alone with Him. But throughout my day, and after I've even communed with Him, I find myself in doing things, that, Lord, I need your help. That's prayer. Lord, I need you right now. Lord, help me, instruct me. This is prayer. This is that constant state of prayer that shows, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. You see, a, a healthy and strong relationship requires communication. And we are to never stop praying even when things may be going right. Because not only in the moments and seasons of distress, but again, the scripture says pray without ceasing. Prayer is not a theological exercise that requires a four-year degree. A lot of people hear people praying and go, oh, Lord, I wish I could just pray like that. But God's not worried about how big the words are that you use. He's not worried about how well sentenced your words may be. He's looking at your heart today. And he's looking at the, us as children of God, praying to him from our heart. That's what he's looking at. And I'm so thankful, and I've said it before, that even when I don't know what to pray, he knows exactly what it is that I need because he's making intercession for me. And the Bible tells me that the Spirit of Almighty God it, it pleads for me with groanings and moans that cannot be uttered. So hear me today. You may say, well, I don't even know what to say. Hey, go to him. Get in his presence because the Holy Spirit knows what it is that you need, amen. So again, my faith is not in prayer, but yet I need to speak to him each and every single day. Our faith should be in Christ, but he's not. Your faith should never be in prayer, but yet it is something that we should be engaged in because of the love, because of the relationship. Listen, to be in a relationship with a person means that there has to be communication there amongst the people. And where there's no communication in a relationship, the relationship will eventually tear down. And let me tell you, it will never be God who leaves us. It will never be God who leaves you. It's us who leaves him. Because we fail to engage in that time of communion and relationship with him. So again, Jesus took them away from being right by his side and experiencing not only the feeding of 5,000, but as well had experienced many other miracles in his earthly ministry. And with every miracle that was performed came great admiration for his great power. But with that also comes comfortability. The disciples were constantly with him and seeing his demonstrate his power and through uh, thought, man, I could get used to this. I'm sure they were in his presence again and seeing him perform all of these miracles, opening up the blinded eyes, uh, seeing all that he, what he was doing, deaf ears unclogging, feeding thousands of people before him with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And I don't blame him. I could get used to it too. Seeing the signs and the wonders and the miracles before my eyes each and every single day. So I'm sure that when he commanded them to leave them, they couldn't understand why. But let me tell you today that Christ is more concerned with your spiritual growth in him than he is your amazement at the signs miracles and wonders that he performs. God is more worried about your Christian growth, your growth in him, the character 
future being changed. He's more concerned about that than he is with you being in awe and wonder at the miracles that he performs, at the signs that he performs. Because too many of the church are caught up in just miracle signs and wonders and they're seeking God for miracle signs and wonders. But the Bible says that they follow them who believe. You don't have to question it. You don't have to wonder will it happen. He said they follow them who believe. So as I'm on my journey with the Lord and as I'm evidencing faith in him and what he's done and I'm carrying on and I'm walking upon this journey, I don't have to worry and look around. They're following me. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And again, they're not just in the four walls. And we have, again, placed God in his box. And we have classified only this is a miracle and only this is a miracle. But let me tell you, God is in miracles every single day. We need to open up our eyes and quit limiting him. Get out of this box that we're in and look around because he's performing miracles each and every single day. We think only if some blinded eyes was to open up. Or if a person was to not be able to walk and begin to walk, we look at things tangible. But God is doing the supernatural each and every single day, even when we don't see it. God is still performing miracles. Amen. So these disciples, as you and I, will learn he is always there even when they don't see him. Because understand at this point, they were always with him. But here he came to this point in this gospel according to Matthew and now sends them away so that he can enter into a time of prayer. So he sent them out by the ship of the Sea of Galilee and I can tell you that the Sea of Galilee represents the Sea of Life. And in the beginning all was fine. But then after they had set sail, after they began to go out onto the sea, again this being a type of the sea of life, they began to be tossed around by the waves. The wind was contrary to them or basically the winds was against them. As a believer you can expect life to come against you to push against you to stop you from reaching the other side just as the disciples did in fact a sure sign that one is walking with the Lord is the force of the elements of life that come against you you see all of this is designed for one purpose and one purpose only which is to test your faith and we as believers forget this at times. That as we have evidence, faith in Christ and what he has done, and now we begin our walk with him, the Bible tells us in multiplicities of scriptures that our faith around about is going to be tested. Because all faith has to be tested. And great faith has to be tested greatly. And I can tell you that the more that you're used by the Lord and the closer that you get with the Lord and that faith there begins to grow in him even more and you begin to expect from him even more. Understand the attacks are going to be ramped up. I was sitting over here a while ago thinking and praise and worship. Here the Lord had opened up this door for us back in October to open this church up and everybody was excited we come in here done all this work God had provided the finances God was moving, moving, we were singing it praise the Lord, we were hearing from people that are going to come in we just do it and then all of a sudden look what happens and we open up the doors right in the middle of this crisis that's going on and let's just be honest in the natural faith can begin to wane a little bit and you can begin, and I can begin to think, oh Lord, what in the world is going on? And don't get me wrong, and I'm being honest with you, but then just right in front of me, where you can see it all, that the thoughts and this of the enemy run through the mind, well, just wait till this is all over with. But that's not what God has commanded us to do. He didn't say preach the word when the house is full. He said preach the word. So whether it's to only one in here, as my grandpa used to say, if I ain't got nobody but to go in the woods and shake the bushes, I'm going to preach. Uh -huh. That's what he used to say. Because preaching the word is not predicated on who's listening. It's the fact that it's predicated on preaching. Preach the word. And when you preach the word, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to draw them in. Okay. So 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire and trials to try as though some strange thing happened unto you. Here again, these two words in here lets us know that the fiery trials, the trials of life, is for one reason and one reason only, and it's to try you. 
to try your faith, to see if it's anchored in Christ and what he has done or not. So, so many believers get caught off guard when trials come their way. But Peter says, don't think it's strange. Don't think that you're the only one that is going through it because it is destined to happen to the believer. And again, designed to test you, to teach you, and to develop you. That's what trials are for. Now, we don't see it when we're going through them. We don't view trials and storms of life as an opportunity there for us to grow. But thank God he's in control. That even when I feel like falling all the way apart, God is still there. And, and he's still working on my behalf even when it seems like I'm falling apart. But he's there to develop me because he loves me too much to let me continue to stay the same. But he wants me to grow and character wants me to grow in Christ. Okay, so sometimes we think we're the only ones, but again, Peter here would let us know, I'm sure throughout his epistle, and would tell us as he was here before us today, you're not the only one. Because many times we can go through trials, many times we can be tested, and we think that we're the only ones that's going through it. But there are others that are going through the same thing that you're going through, even though it may not be spoken, and you may not know it, amen? But see, the trials of life have a way of sifting out those that are real, and for him, and for those who aren't. I personally believe that what is going on right now, what we are facing, it is a time that the Lord is, there's a shaking that is going on. And those who are not properly anchored in Christ are not making it. Because again, for too long, we're just, we are living by a shout. We're trying to live by what it is that we see. And the Bible is getting us back to the, to the point of the just shall live by faith. We got to get back to that place, and that's what he's doing. You got to live by faith and faith alone, because when I strip it all away from you, what are you going to do then? So Christ allows us to face similar circumstances as he did the disciples to equip us and to train us and most of all to make us see him in a way that we've never seen him before. And I can tell you that without the times of testing, we wouldn't know him the way that we know him. If I never had a problem, as the song says, I would never know how God could solve them. I wouldn't know him the way that I know him today if he not allowed me to go out and to endure the times of testing and trials. You see, in order for one to be a part of the military of the United States of America, whether it be the Marines, whether it be the Navy, whether it be the armed forces, whatever, one must endure what they call boot camp. You see, the whole design of boot camp is to prepare one for service, and part of that preparation is to break you and to rebuild you. And if you've ever done some investigation, if you've ever looked into what boot camp consists of, or if you've ever talked to those that went through it, all I can say is, thank God I didn't have to go through it. <laughs> I'm staying in my own lane. And the army was not my lane. We are thankful for our military, man. But part of that process includes obstacle courses that they go through, which are challenging and they're difficult to face. But if not for all of this taking place, what kind of military would America have if the soldiers were not properly trained and endured the obstacle courses? What kind of military would we have if they didn't go to this boot camp, if they didn't go to this process of being broken down to be rebuilt again, to face the obstacles that they face? Because, hey, when you get out there on the front line, if you think this is tough, if you can't make it here, how are you going to make it out there? And there's a preparation that comes. So when we're out there on the Sea of Galilee, in the Sea of Life, if you will, the Lord is allowing us to go through things to, number one, break us down. You said yes to me, okay, but now I've got to break you of you and rebuild you again. So the training ground of this Christian life must include obstacles for you to face and overcome in order for you to be the soldier that God has called you to be. So the training ground of this Christian life must include obstacle courses in order for our training to be complete. And they are necessary and vital to our walk with him. So now understand Christ for all intents and purposes sent them out to the sea. He sends them out. He understands. He knows the difficulties because he's God of what it is that they are going to face. So why would he do that? Why would he send them out knowing that they were going to face this horrible storm that they were getting ready to face? Many of you may not understand why you're in the place that you are in today. The winds of life are blowing against you. They're contrary against you. The waves of life are tossing you all around. 
And everything was going fine up until the point you were walking with the Lord. Everything was going good. And all of a sudden, the waves have come crashing in. The winds have come against you. And you are like, why is it that the Lord is allowing this? We've all been in that place. To the point to where we'll say, Lord, where are you in all of this? You see, I was fine, you may say, right where I was on dry ground. See, the disciples were good. They were on dry ground there with the Lord. And the Lord throws them out there in the sea. Because let me tell you, it's a lot tougher on the sea of Galilee than it was on dry ground. And again, the waves were getting tossing them about and they were getting a little rough and, and you would say that I don't understand why I'm experiencing or what I'm experiencing because these waves are compression in, the wind is against me, this ain't fun why am I here? Why am I here in this place that I am in right now? Why have you allowed this to happen? You see as long as the disciples were right beside of Christ, they would never learn the valuable lesson of dependency upon him. We would never learn, as they were singing today, that he's the God who stands. Because without facing difficulties, without facing the problems of life, we wouldn't understand that he is the God who stands. As a scripture that I was reading in Romans 8, all of these things that Paul lists out and so many more cannot separate us from the love of God. He didn't put us out here on this sea of life and say, now do this on your own. He's told us in his word that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And many times you may think, Lord, where are you in all this? And within your flesh, you feel forsaken. You feel like he's gone. But that's where the spirit rises up within you and reminds you, reminds me that I, I've not left you. I'm right here with you. Amen. My eyes still upon you. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Five words there, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What a powerful verse. What a powerful portion of scripture. What a promise that he has given to us that when you pass through it. He didn't tell you that if you go through it, you're going to pass through some troublesome waters. You're going to pass through some fires, and the flame gets a little bit hot. But just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar said, turn it on up a seven degrees up, uh, seven times hotter. But there we see Jesus with them, and showing us that he won't leave us even when we're in the midst of the fire. And they came out not even with a stench of smoke upon them. And the only thing that burned there that day wasn't their clothes, wasn't their shoes, but it was just the ropes that was binding their hands. Because he was right there with them. He's right there with you today. You may be in the waters and you feel like they're up to your neck. But let me tell you something. The waters, when you go out to the waters and you can't walk as fast as you can with your own dry land. And when you get there near the fire, you begin to feel the heat of it. And some of you are feeling the heat of the fire now more than ever before. You feel like you're in them waters and you're up here to the neck. But here, stand on his word today that he says, I will be with you and when you pass through it. So where you're at right now, you're not going to stay, but you're going to pass through this with the help of the one who said he would never leave you nor forsake you. So the word has promised us that whenever we go, whatever we pass through, he will be there with us and he will protect us. Every calamity, every trial you face, you have been promised that you will be taken through it and no harm. Hear me today, no harm is going to come upon you. You see, his word is an aid to us. His word is an aid to me. His word is an aid to you. And that is all that you need today is his word. You don't need some counseling group. You don't need therapy. What you need is the word of almighty God. And this right here brings me more comfort than any words that anybody can speak. Any words of the mouths of politicians. It doesn't matter what news channel you listen to. You need to turn it off and you need to get in the word. You need to hear what he's got to say. Because he's the one who won't lie to you. And let me tell you. 
after you get done listening to the words of those on TV, it can leave you down and out, depressed, and make you wonder, are you even going to make it? But when I lift up the word of Almighty God, and my eyes begin to scroll through the pages of every word that he has spoken here, let me tell you, I don't walk away discouraged. I don't walk away disheartened. But my God, I walk away encouraged and lifted up because he has told me he is going to be right there with me. He has told me he's not going to forsake me. He has given me promises, and the Bible says that they are yes and amen. amen. That's what I'm encouraged by today, not by anything that anybody's got to say. They'll discourage you. Pick up the word of God, and you will be encouraged every single time. I am 100% assured of this. Verse 25, and in the fourth hour of the night, and consequently, this was between the hours of three and six, which would be the darkest time of the night. The Bible says that Jesus went unto them. My God, I read that. Those four words spoke to me like never before. Jesus went unto them. In the darkest hour of your night, in the darkest hour of their night, Jesus went unto them. In the darkest hour of your night, Jesus is coming there to you. Mark 6, 48 says, and he saw them toiling and rowing. And can I tell you, that Jesus saw them before he ever seen, or they ever seen him. Jesus has seen them before they could ever see him. And just before, because you can't see him doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't see you. A lot of times in the circumstances that we're in, we question the Lord, where are you? We don't see him in everything that's going on because it seems like all the hell is against us and we don't see. But let me tell you, he sees you. He sees you, and that's all that matters. As long as he sees me, even if I can't say it, it's okay. Jesus sees me, amen? So right there, when they needed him the most, when they needed him the most, Jesus came to their rescue. The whole entire time, Christ knew where they was and knew what they was going through. But the delay of running to their rescue was not to torture them or to scare them, but rather for them to be in a position to see him like they had never seen him before. Think about that. The reason for the delay sometimes in the storm and in the trial of life that you are going through is not to torture you. It's not to hurt you. He doesn't desire to do that. No father desires to do that to his children. But the delay is so that you would be in a position to see him moving your life like never before. Because if Jesus came running and pulled you out of everything just when it happened, we would never learn to depend on him, and we would see him in the light like we have seen him before. But I'm so thankful that even when I wanted to go away, that God says, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. And there I can learn to wait even, even when I don't understand what's going on. And then just right on time, when it feels like I'm going out for the last time, Jesus then moves in and he's in a position now for me to see him like I've never seen him before. A flashlight that is turned on outside. I was thinking of this when, when I wrote these words that he's in a position to see like never before. And I got to thinking that when you go outside in the middle of the daylight, in the middle of the daytime and the sun is shining and you turn on a flashlight, you don't see that light like you do when you when it's dark night. You don't see the, 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 the penetration, the light of that flashlight turned on outside like you do when it's dark. You see, but in the night when it is the darkest, the light is most visible and most desired. Because you don't desire that flashlight when you're out there in the middle of the day, high noon, and the sun's shining, and it's beautiful outside. You don't desire that flashlight. But when the sun goes down, and the nighttime comes, and you're out there, and you can't see where you're going, you desire that flashlight never before. So in the middle of the storm, when it seems the darkest and the hardest, we need to start expecting Jesus to show up. When you're at the darkest hour of your night, and for some of you, I strongly believe, you're there right now. You're in the darkest hour of your night. Start expecting Jesus to show up. Because just as it was the darkest for the disciples that were there upon the Sea of Galilee, that's when Jesus showed up. So right now, you may be in the darkest hour of your night. I'm telling you today, start expecting him to show up. And I promise you, he ain't going to disappoint you. He's going to show up. 
So here the disciples are in their boat being tossed to and fro. And they see Jesus walking on the water right in front of them. And I can only imagine. There they were in the middle of the dark. Waves crashing in. And there before their eyes they see a man walking on the water. Now I'm not going to lie to you. If that would have been me, my eyes would have got as big as 50 cent pieces. And I would have been just as the disciples were that day scared to death. You see, they had toiled and rolled all night, long trying to fight this storm. They were exhausted even physically. And all, as if all that wasn't bad enough, they seen what they thought was a spirit, a ghost of some sort. And in fear, they cried out. But upon their cry of fear, Jesus spoke to them. And I love what he said to them. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. My God, when you read them words right there, I don't know how many words it is, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten words. Them ten words, let me tell you, those ten words are so packed full and chock full of promises there. He don't have to say, but just a few little words right there, and it will calm the raging sea, amen? So he tells them, because he's close to them, in the boat, to the point that they can hear him and speak to them these words. And he spoke these words to them to calm their fears and to let them know that they're not looking at a spirit, but rather the person of Christ. You see, his presence was made known. And he was letting them know, he's letting you know that I, that he can handle the contrary wind or any problem that we may have. So he's saying to you today, cheer up, child of mine, for it is I, be not afraid. And them words right there, it is I, really resonated in my heart. It is I. I don't have to be afraid. He's there. What I don't understand, he's saying, Wayne, here it is. Here it is I. So when you are in the storm, you need to hear the words, it is I, your all-sufficient redeemer. It is I, the one who died for you. When you're in the storm, it is I who has delivered you from all of your fears. It is I who shall supply all of your needs. It is I who is alive and forevermore. It is I who will never leave you nor forsake you, who will never fail you. It is I, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is I who will never leave you nor forsake you. It is I, the resurrection and the life. It is I who has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It is I who spoke to Moses and said, I am that I am. It is I. And Peter answers him, Lord, if it be you, and really the translation should have said, since it is you, he tells him, bid me to come. And Jesus, Jesus then said, come, Peter, walk on the water with me. And why would Jesus tell Peter to get out of the boat in the middle of a storm and tell him to come? Because I can tell you that Jesus always responds to faith. And his response to faith will be, come. Peter recognized the voice of the Lord. He recognized that it was him. He exhibited faith when he said that, Lord, if it be you, since it is you, bid me to come. He was evidence of faith that the one that was right before him was indeed the Messiah. And he always responds to faith. And his response to faith will be, come. While Peter and all the other disciples were paralyzed with fear, one minute the moment Jesus spoke, faith instantly rose in Peter. And there he said, Lord, if you, you can walk on water, well, so can I. Because let me tell you something. If Jesus walked on the water, you and I, spiritually speaking, can walk on the water today because we are in him. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith cannot exist unless the word is first spoken. So when Christ spoke the word then, faith rose up within Peter and gave him what he needed to say, Lord, bid me to come. Faith rose within him so that Peter then could exhibit the faith and say, Lord, bid me to come. And while most want to pick on Peter and down him for what takes place next, may I remind you that he was the only one that had the courage to step out of the safety zone and to get to Jesus. Because it's easy to stay in the boat. It's easy, it was easy to stay there, but to step out upon that water when Jesus said to come, it took faith. That's what God is looking for. Those that will step out of the boat and walk toward him on the water. You see, he's, he's presently looking at us and he's calling us. As he was calling me and Peter to come unto us, he's coming to him. He's calling us as a church to come unto him. So what's your response going to be? 
What's your response going to be as he's calling you? So here is Peter walking on the water, going toward Christ. But the mistake Peter makes next is the same mistake that you and I have made time and time again. He took his eyes off of Christ. He placed it on the storm and become afraid. See, here's the problem with us as Christians. We take our eyes off of Christ and his finished work where there is peace. And we place it on the circumstances that are all around us. So here is Peter in this boat. The waters are all around him. He sees Jesus right there. And right then and there, faith rises within him, and he begins to step out, and he's literally walking upon the water. And as his faith is there, he's looking to Christ and what he's done, and there he can walk upon the water. Never mind that in the beginning of the moment, he didn't see the clouds rolling all around. He didn't see the storms. He didn't see the waves. He didn't see the boat being almost capsized up. He sees Jesus. But then what he does is what you and I do time and time and time again. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He placed it on all the circumstances says that we're going on and then faith moves out and fear begins to rise you see let me tell you where christ was walking was peaceful and calm and the same can be for you and i you see you're in christ and he is in you and he desires for you to walk right in the middle of the storm on top of the water in peace of mind knowing that even though all the hell is raging against you because my faith is anchored in the person of christ and what he's done I am going to make it. You see, the boisterous winds and the engulfing waves were all around. And to the natural eye, it looked like they were going down. The boisterous waves have comes against you in all shapes and sizes, whether it be spiritual problems, whether it be financial problems, whether it be physical or emotional. And the Lord allows us to come to these places in our walk so that when we face these problems, we will see how insufficient we really are. Because it's in those times we see that we're not the hot shot that we think we were. And we see just how insufficient we really are. Lord, I am nothing. But at the same time, he shows us because this is the grace and the love of the Father, the sufficiency of Christ, and that he is truly all that we need. And that his presence can change any circumstance that we face. And the Bible says, though, because Peter moved his eyes off of Christ and upon the storm, that that moment right then and there, he began to sink. You see, the reason Peter began to sink was because his faith was waning. The same can be spoken of you and I. We allow what is going on in our lives to grab our attention, and in result, faith moves out, fear takes over. And let me tell you today that fear and faith cannot reside in the same place. It cannot reside in the same heart. So quit focusing on the storm and start focusing on Jesus. We're to look to him as Paul commissioned us and commanded us and tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 to look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. But I love how Matthew says it, that he was afraid and he began to sink. He began to cry out unto the Lord, save me. Peter didn't go all the way underneath the water. He just began to sink. See, right now you may think that you're going underneath the water, but as he didn't let Peter go all the way underneath the water, but at the moment that Peter began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. That's all he needed to say, and Jesus stretched out his hand, and he took a hold of him. Some of you may have been in the water bubbling up and down for quite some time, but God is not going to let you sink and die, just like he did it with Peter. All Peter had to do was cry out, Lord, save me. And immediately the Lord stretched out his hand and caught him. What you need to do while you're in the water and you're bobbling all around and you're engulfing all the water is just cry out with all that is within you. Lord, save me. And I promise that he will pull you up out of the water and to set you right on top of the water again. You see, because a lot of people don't understand they see it that he began to sink. They see that he sank and that that's the end of it. But let me tell you, when he pulled him out of the water, how do you think they got back to the boat? He walked on top of that water yet again. Because Jesus was right there holding his hand. Amen. So we're brought to these places just as Peter was brought so that we would cry out unto him. So you may feel that you are sinking, but that doesn't mean that you're going to drown. 
You may feel that you're sinking right now in whatever it is that you're going through. But let me tell you, if you're in Christ Jesus and you're looking to him with everything that you've got, even if it only seems to be just a grain of a mustard seed, praise be to God, that's all that he requires. And you're going to make it. You're not going to drown. You see, Peter's failure of faith led him to the faithfulness of God. Because this is the love of the Father. Even though we fall and we take our eyes off of him, at the mention of his name, at the mention of his name, he pulls us up again. You see, Peter had to learn his own character and that he could not sustain himself and that dependency must be placed 100% on Christ. And this is the lesson that you and I as believers have to learn over and over and over again. See, this isn't a lesson that we learn one time. I'm in the process of learning it right now, yet again, that we have to cry out unto him, see the, the, see the insufficiency of ourself, and look to him in the midst of a storm that we, to learn what it is that he wants us to learn. And the Bible says that as soon as Jesus came into the ship, the wind ceased, and the Bible says that they worshipped him, saying, of truth, you are the Son of God. You see, it took the disciples to come to this place of difficulty of what looked like death. But in the end, the Bible says they turned around and they worshipped him and had praise unto them. You see, up to this point, the disciples had portrayed him as great master and was in awe of the kind of man that he was. But it wasn't until Jesus allowed them to go through the storm. It wasn't until Jesus commanded them to go out to the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't until that Jesus was separated from them. That where Peter would almost sink. And Jesus would allow the storm that they would soon, that they would then worship him as a son of God. All the way up to the gospel of Matthew up until chapter 14, we see them in awe of him. We see them representing him as master. They even said, what kind of a man is this? But when it came to this point, when it came to them almost sinking, when it came to them almost looking what life was going to be death, when they were saved by the Lord, Bible says that they then worshipped him and recognized him as the Son of God. You see, it took them being in the middle of a storm and almost going down before they could see and acknowledge him. So as he's playing right now, and I asked the Lord how was it that he wanted me to end this message, and I felt that Holy Spirit prompted my heart to say that with all that is going on and whatever it is that you're facing, I'm sure the question is there and is a reason within you. And you said, why am I here? Why am I in the place that I am in? But I pray that over these words that I've spoken to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you will find yourself in the same position as these disciples, that it wasn't the torture that he brought them to this place, but it was love for them so that he could teach them and show them how powerful he was and that all they needed was him and to not focus on the storm but to focus on him. It's so that he can reveal himself to you in a way like never before. Jesus desires to reveal himself to you. So will you choose to focus on him or will you choose to focus on the storm? But the choice is yours. You see, the lesson they would learn, the lesson that they would learn is the same lesson that you and I have to be brought to the place to learn, that he is always there. Even when it don't seem like it, even when it don't look like it, even when the waves are crashing in and it seems like you're going down for the last time, he's right there. He sees you right where you're at. Even in the darkest hour of your night, even when it's all of hell coming against you, it seems like you're surrounded by everything but him. But let me tell you, you're surrounded by him. Do you think that if the enemy could have his way, truly have his way, that you would even be here today? If he was allowed to do what he really wanted to do, you and I would have been killed and destroyed a long time ago. But Jesus is watching you. He's watching over you. And in the darkest hour of your night, start expecting him to show up. Because he sees you and he's ready to move upon your behalf. Heavenly Father, will we come to you today again in the name of your son Jesus.
Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that these words that went forth, Father, God, I pray, Lord, that they would touch the hearts of your people, that, Lord, we believe that, Lord, your word would not return void. Lord, I know that many are facing challenging times. Lord, the church as a whole is facing a challenging time, and the storms are raging, the lightning is thundering, the waves are crashing. But, Lord, I pray that our focus would be upon you, Lord, and not upon what else is going on all around us, Lord. God, give us the faith to step out of the boat. God, give us the faith to step out of the room and to walk on the water and to walk toward you. Lord, there may have been those that started out like it, Lord, and they began to focus on what was going on all around them. Lord, they began to sink just as Peter. But, Lord, today you're telling them, Lord, upon the utterance of a cry, as Peter did, Lord, say to Lord, you'll stretch out your hand and you'll pull them up, God, to start them again, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you help us, Lord, through the darkest hour of the night. I pray you help us, Lord, through all of, in all of our lives, Lord, for whatever it is that we're facing, Lord. And that, God, in these darkest hours, Lord, we will look to you, Lord, and that we will allow you to minister to us. That, Lord, we would allow you to teach us that which you desire for us to be taught. And that, Lord, at the end of it all, Lord, our faith would be rooted and grounded more in you than ever before. Lord, touch your people. Move on their needs, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, speak to them even now, Lord. And God, encourage their heart, Lord, that you're right there with them. That you are the God who stays, Lord. That you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. God, I praise you. I give you glory, and I give you honor for it all. And I thank you, Lord, for what we believe that you have accomplished this day, Lord, not because of me, but because of your word, Lord, and your Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen and amen. We